Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the BFA audio blog. This is Keith Johnson. I have the producer with me, Keymaker, on Skype. However, he tells me there is a delay in our ability to communicate. So there's like a five second delay. So I'll say something and ask him a question and then he won't respond. And I'll think he's not responding, but he really is responding. These are the challenges of being across the world trying to communicate to you as we are committed to do here at the BFA. I'm in Israel. Those of you that don't know, I've been here for the last few weeks uh, and I've kind of run into something here in the last uh, few days that I just have to bring to our listeners. So this again is Keith Johnson. I am unplugged, unedited, free to say whatever I feel called to say. So I'm going to jump into a topic that is, uh, it's an international news. It's a historical topic. It's something that people around the world are talking about even now, and it has to do with uh, the Israeli-Arab conflict. That's right. I want to talk a little bit about the conflict in this place called the Middle East. Now, the Keymaker, key can you hear me? Because if you can't hear me, I'm going to keep going. You just say you can hear me. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, well, the... It's dangerous because it's something I'm living in right now. Here's where I am. I'm in Israel. I'm in Jerusalem. In fact, the neighborhood I'm living in right now is um, is, uh, is 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 filled with conflict. Even here, in fact, uh, when I the day that I got to the the place that I'm staying, I'm walking down the street, ladies and gentlemen, and I look across the street, and there's a protest that says something about end the occupation. <laughs> I'm telling you. These people are protesting with black signs saying in the occupation. And then across the street, there's another protest with people with an Israeli flag uh, protesting the protesters that are protesting what they call the occupation. Let me tell you something. I am in the midst of a bee's nest. Can I can I say that? I mean, is that too controversial? I mean, every person I talk to has a strong opinion about what's happening over here in Israel. And in fact, when I say that I'm an American, some people have even asked me about my opinion about the uh, the present administration's policy on Israel. So, I mean, how can I how can I not talk to the faithful listeners at the BFA audio blog about something that I'm living every day? So I want to ask again, Keymaker, before I get started here, you and I haven't had a chance to do our pre-production discussion. Part of the reason for that is I've been sick. For the last couple of days, I've been sick. They've been pumping me with all this stuff, but I feel so much better. My voice might be a little groggy, but I've been on a journey that I want to talk to you all about. Uh, I have decided because of the uh, the projects that we're working on right now. And I hope my wife doesn't hear this. I mean, if my wife hears this, she's going to be furious. It was her idea for me to come over here and to study the language. And she wanted me to take a little bit of a, a break uh, while I was studying the language. Well, I did that. I studied the language and it wasn't a break. <laughs> it was grueling 12 hours a day. I'm glad that I'm off the mountain back down here at the in the valley where I can deal with the conflict of the Israelis and the Arabs. Anyway, while I'm here, I've been in the midst of doing some things regarding projects that we're working on. Now, <laughs> okay, Keymaker, listen, I'm going to tell the people now that we've got three different projects we're working on. Well, that four, actually, but let me just tell you all what, what what's happened. We we are in the midst of preparing for an international uh, broadcast of the Time Will Tell series. I would like you to know that I did a a, uh, a really cool thing. I went to the village of Silwan outside the old city of David, which is the Arab village. 
where one of my friends lives who helped us with Time Will Tell One. And I gave him a gift of the Time Will Tell series. He was ecstatic about it. He and his family. I spent some time with them. In fact, uh, I'm going to share a little bit of that maybe at some point. But we're working on that, preparing for that. We also have the second series that we're working on, which is the seventh month. We're calling it Right on Time regarding what's traditionally called the High Holy Days. That's the project the Keymaker is working on. We also have a project that I'm not necessarily working on in earnest in Israel, but we've got what's called Ancient Time from China, and we got uh, we got uh, one of our other editors working on that. So I'm communicating with him back and forth. And then there's this other thing that came up, and I don't Keymaker, I haven't gotten a chance to tell you about this, but folks, I'm going to tell you, and then he'll have to just yell at me after the broadcast. I've been working on something that has caused me to have to leave the comforts of the what's called uh, on the inside of the green line, the, the green line. Well, let me put it this way. I've had to do some things that have caused me to go into. They have what's called area A. I had to go to area A and area A, for those who don't know, is got this um, reputation of being not safe. In fact, I've got a little video that I'm if you can do this key maker. I took a quick little, I don't know five-second video, 10-second video of my friend taking me into Area A, just so folks can see this, this sign that uh, that they put up that lets the, lets the people know that if you're an Israeli citizen, it's illegal to go into Area A. I'm not an Israeli citizen, and I've got to go to Area A because I'm doing research and trying to bring the beauty of the land to the people that are watching our projects. So what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be, you know, sit, sit over here on the other end in, in the safety of, uh, of of being here and, and, and not crossing over? No, I'm going to cross over. Well, here's where it gets complicated. I cross over into Area A and I have to tell you all, if you've never been into Area A, it is complicated. I had to go to places I hope my wife knows. I told her I was going to have to do this. Pray for me. I had to go to Ramallah. I had to go to Nablus. I had to go to some places that uh, that aren't necessarily uh, on the top five tourist best spots to go uh, if you're here in Israel. However, for what we're doing in terms of bringing information, inspiration and revelation to the people that are, are a part of the BFA site where they want to see what we're what we're trying to do. It's it was it was crucial for me uh, to find somebody that could get me to Area A. And so I found a young man who was willing to take me there. And I had some experiences that were, <laughs> let me just say, were interesting. Let me tell you just about one, just one. So I've been learning Hebrew. And, and what I love about the Hebrew language is it's very expressive. So when you're speaking, you know, your gut, you know, you can feel it in your gut and you can feel it in your heart. And so I've been taught by my professors and those around, they say, speak Hebrew everywhere you can with whoever can speak Hebrew. Well, the young man that I had take me can speak Arabic. He can speak Hebrew and he can speak English. So I told him, well, you know, we're on our day's journey to, to area A. I said, hey, listen, uh, uh, you know, since you can speak these three languages, only speak to me in Hebrew. It helps me in my understanding. He said, ain't by ya, no problem. So we're going. Well, he failed to tell me something that after my visit, he uh, he, he then told me. We went to a place that uh, uh, in outside of, well, it's in the center of Nablus. Now, if you know anything about Nablus, it's a pretty, it's a hot spot in what they call the West Bank. Now, one thing about the West Bank, I have to say, and one of my Jewish friends asked me this question, is it the West Bank of Israel or is it the West Bank of Jordan? 
<laughs> it's just like a great question. Like if you're in Israel, they call it the West Bank, but it's really east of present day modern Israel, but it's west of Jordan and this is where it gets complicated. So anyway, I, are you still with me, uh, Keymaker? I mean, are you, is, is this nervous? You, does this make you... Does this does it make you nervous that I'm talking about this political issue? Is it this something that look? It's a biblical issue for me. It's something that I'm dealing with. I want people to understand that it's complicated the situation in Israel with the people that are surrounded. I mean, so anyway, I go to this place. Okay, so I go to this place, and uh, I I we had to have a Palestinian uh, policeman let me into this place. And uh, so we pulled in. We were the only ones there in the center of Nablus. And the policeman came over and he had his gun and he opened up the place. And I went in and I got so excited. I said to him, the this place is a chashuv. It's important. It's a chashuv meod. It's very important, I said to him in Hebrew. And he went silent on me. And, and my friend who took me looked at me kind of strange and I didn't understand. So I continued on with my video camera and I'm taping the, where I'm at and I'm looking at where I'm at. And uh, well, let me just tell you what happened after I got done doing what I needed to do for you all. So you could see this important place. We got into uh, a, a bit of a, a conflict, me and my uh, tour guide, because he said to me, why did you speak Hebrew? I said, what do you mean? Why did I speak Hebrew? I was excited. It's it's, it's important, this place that I'm at. He said that the man who opened the gate said to him, is he Jewish? He said, no, he's not Jewish. Then why is he speaking Hebrew? And if he's speaking Hebrew and if if he's Jewish, you're not supposed to be here with him without permission of the Palestinian Authority and the IDF because this is a hot spot. It's a place where there's been conflict. This could cause major problems. He must not speak Hebrew. And if you're going to bring people here that are Jewish, I'm not going to let you in. Now, for those who don't know, I happen to go to a place that is very significant in scripture. Nablus, in modern terms, is called Nablus. But in biblical terms, it's called Shechem or Shechem, and you might find in your English Bible. Well, if you go and look at the places in Shechem or Shechem, they are significant from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even Joseph, who's the righteous one. And I'll tell you something. It was so powerful. I decided, look, I didn't know until after I decided I needed to go see the tomb of Joseph. Why did I go see the tomb of Joseph? It was in Shechem, which is connected with one of our projects. I won't bore you with all that because people, you know, the key maker will say, oh, you're going to start promoting. I'm not going to promote. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to talk about the projects. I'm just going to tell you about the complications of being in Area A. I go there. I talk to my friend. He says, listen, Jewish people can't even come here without conflict. If they come here, they got to come under military escort. I mean, it's I mean, I I did some research on this thing after the fact. And I tell you what, I got a little nervous for the, my the way my casual attitude was about going there. When I saw the depth of destruction and hate and violence that took place at the very spot I brought my little one man, one camera mission to, I was humbled. It caused me to have to reflect even further about the significance of what's happening in the land of Israel right now. There are people 
that are in Israel that can't even go to the places that are in their heritage. And then there are other people that are outside of Israel in some of these places that are saying, we're going to deny the heritage of those that are in Israel. So then when the when the guy from the United States or the gal from the United States comes as a tourist, everything's supposed to be okay until I opened my mouth and I sounded like a Jew to him. And when he thought I was a Jew, his blood went, I mean, he started to boil. He started arguing with my, with, with my tour guide. And, and, and after that, you know, he told me, he said, this is a very complicated situation. So why is it complicated? Arab nations, I think it is something like 21 separate countries that are surrounding Israel. The, it's like the combined territories of Arab countries, like 650 fold greater than Israel. And so what you have is you have like a, a population that's 50 fold greater than the people that are in Israel. So literally they're surrounded. And what's happened historically is there's been, and please you all, I'm not an expert, I'm not a historical expert, but in the last few days, this has really had my attention, especially pertaining the projects that we're working on. There have been at least, I think it's four wars. Let me see if I can remember them. The first one, 1948, the War of Independence. Then after that, you have like around 1956, 57, the Sinai War. Then in 1967, you've got the Six Day War, which I'm going to come back to in a second. And then in 1973, Keymaker, you've got what's called the Yom Kippur War. And I, we're doing a project, you all, right now regarding some of this and the issues around Yom Kippur, which is in the seventh month regarding right on time, the second series that the Keymaker doesn't even know. He's going to be working his butt off every single day when I get back so we can get this ready before the seventh month. This particular war is filled with intervention from heaven, as is each of the other wars. Now, here's what's interesting. In each of those wars, Israel defended itself each time and they won. After each war, the Israeli army withdrew from most of the areas it captured. And they say that it's unprecedented for a country to conquer or to win in those ways, but yet to continue to withdraw. And they say one of the reasons for it is that um, Israel's a desire to reach peace, even at the risk of fighting for its very existence. There's an anonymous quote. I have to read this quote to you all right now. Uh, here's what the quote says. Now, and listen, let me tell you about the complication of this, because I'm going to I'm going to do something that's probably a little controversial. I, I want to talk about both sides of the coin, if I can, just just from a human standpoint. And then we'll see if we can't end this in a way that we'll get some common ground with everybody. Uh, this is a quote from Charles Crothheimer, May 11th, 1998. It says, oh, let me give you let me give you the anonymous quote first. The anonymous quote is this. If the Arabs, it says, or if the Muslims put down their weapons today, there would be no more violence. If the Israelis put down their weapons today, there would be no more Israel. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's an anonymous quote. No, I didn't come up with it. I'm, I'm telling you, it's anonymous. They're saying this is an anonymous quote. One person's perspective that if if the, if the, if the, if, the, if the, those that are want to wipe Israel off the map were to put their weapons down, there'd be no more violence. But if the Israelis were to decide to say, listen, we're going to turn the other cheek or we're not going to. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to be, you know, whatever. If they were to do that, there'd be no more Israel. So let me just give you this. Uh, let me give you this quote. Am I am I going too long here? Okay, I'm just I'm just checking. Quote from Charles Crothheimer. 
It says, Israel, he says, Israel is the very embodiment of Jewish continuity. It is the only nation on earth that inhabits the same land, bears the same name, speaks the same language, and worships the same God that it did 3,000 years ago. You dig the soil and you find pottery from Davidic times, coins from Bar Kokhba, and 2,000-year-old scrolls written in a script remarkably like the one that today advertises ice cream at the corner candy store. Interesting. That's pretty amazing. But yet we have the situation where you have people all over the land of Israel that continue to what they call uh, uh, claim their inheritance to be the original people of the land. And, and this is where I got into some trouble not long ago, Keymaker, because I started asking some questions about who were the original uh, Jews? Were they the Jews from is uh, Europe? Were they the Jews from Morocco or from Iraq? I'm telling you, there, I got into some trouble because there were some people who had brought forth some concerns or some claims that maybe those that were in Europe weren't the original Jews. And I'm telling you, boy, I, you just thought that I, uh, I had slapped someone. All I did was bring forth this information. As I dug deeper, I found out that this is one of the main issues that people claim. So my Arab friends claim we were here first. My friends that are from Russia and from Germany, they claim, yeah, but we are the ones that are ascended from King David. Then my other friends who are Jewish that are from Iraq or from Iran, they say, yeah, well, we were here first. And then I've got some friends who are in Palestine who say, yeah, they were born in Palestine and their great, 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 great grandfather was from Palestine and therefore it's their land. And so why do I say it's complicated? I have done something that is really interesting. I've decided to attempt to do two things, to love God and to love my neighbor. Now, where I live right now, I have neighbors that do not all think alike. In fact, those folks that were in opposition to each other, they don't think alike. And then I've got some people that don't look alike. And then I've got some people that don't speak alike. But what they I do notice here in the land of Israel is you've got this mixed multitude of people. And I'm saying like you can walk down the street, see a woman with a headdress on, see a man with a kippah, see a young boy who, who, who doesn't have any of that, that looks like he's from somewhere else and then see some other lady who who doesn't look like the lady who's got the headdress on but she looks like she's like orthodox and then you got another lady who's maybe jewish but doesn't have anything like the lady who's orthodox i mean it is mixed up over here and with everybody they have an opinion so one of the big arguments is who was here first now i did something keymaker i went into the red area or area a and I decided that I wanted to go over by the, the famous secu the security wall. Can, can I talk about that for a second? Just the security wall. Now, for those who don't know about the security wall, this was Israel's response. Okay, you, you, you're aware of it. You, you know about the security wall? Okay, that just yes is all. Oh, you learned that in Time Will Tell about this. Okay, well, he learned it from Time Will Tell. Well, actually, I learned it before that. I was here in 2002 when they were just in the process of building it. And in 2003, those of you know the history, they continued. One of the big conflicts is, is that the security wall is in the area of the quote unquote West Bank. And some of those areas, some of those folks from the United Nations say it's a long story. They say that this is illegal. 
there's these quote unquote settlements. I mean, I'm telling you, I've been hitting so many. Uh, what are those things called? A ski maker where you're walking across the land mine, a landfield, a minefield. Is that what it's called? Where you. Yeah. My. OK. Yeah. Minefield. And I keep tripping on these little mines that keep blowing up, whether it's with an Arab friend or a a Jewish friend or an Israeli person who's not religious or all or an American who wants to battle for the, the Palestine. I mean, I'm just telling you, everybody here, landmines everywhere. But what's amazing about this place is that you you have an opportunity when you're here to uh, to just get a chance to to get your get your fingers in in the dirt. And when you get your fingers in the dirt, you get a little dirty, but it allows you to understand the situation, I think, uh, better than than ever anything that I could could ever imagine. Well, for me, as I've been here dealing with the people, talking to the people, going into Area A, sitting in the homes of people, being in quote unquote settlements and being in places where maybe it's a little bit of tension. It's been amazing. It's allowed me to have to focus in on on a really important issue. And I want to get back to the Bible after I do this. But can I just share a little bit more about the tension? Because I was in the old city of Jerusalem uh, yesterday and I had an amazing experience. And I have to tell you about this experience. In in, in the old city of Jerusalem, it's split up into four quarters. You have the uh, Christian quarter and the Jewish quarter and the Muslim quarter and the Armenian quarter and you can be around the old city of Jerusalem and you can cross into different areas and literally in a matter of feet you're in a different culture it feels that way well the largest group of people are in the Arab quarter or the Muslim quarter whatever you'd like to call it uh, so you the thought would be is when you're there you would only see Arabs that were sort of dwelling in that area and then in the Jewish quarter that'd be the same well, there's something really interesting that uh, that I that I came across yesterday that I want to share a little bit with with the folks. Um, it's it's about a yeshiva that's actually in the Arab quarter. And this yeshiva was there a long time ago and it was there all the way up until 1948, 1948, when the whole war of independence took place. Many of well, the Jewish people basically were run out of the old city of Jerusalem. And the story goes something like this, that there was an Arab man who knew that this yeshiva was there and basically watched over this yeshiva from 48 all the way to 67, covered over the walls, etc. And then in 67, after that, sometime after that, uh, the group of people had come back into the old city after uh, uh, after the war of 67. And they went back to this place, went back to some of their homes. And it's funny, you can go into the um, into the Muslim quarter and look at some of the, the, the homes and the doors of the homes. And you'll see places where mezuzahs used to be. Well, what's amazing, and I, maybe I can share more about this later because I know I'm going a little long here. Uh, what's amazing is yesterday I was invited to go to this yeshiva. And uh, it's called the Crown of Jerusalem. It used to be uh, something for like the Kohanim, where they were preparing for the third temple. But now they don't say that to be politically correct. But it's smack dab in the middle of the Arab quarter facing the Temple Mount. And I went in there and got a chance to talk to uh, some of the young men that are there that are studying. I got a chance to take some video. And there in the middle of that place, they have the old ancient books that were there that the Arab man kept until they returned. I took some video of that and hopefully I'll be able to get a chance to share that with you at some point. But what's so powerful about it is that, you know, it's easy to put everybody into one box. Oh, all the Arabs, they just wanted to wipe them out. Well, here was an Arab man who said, listen, 
I'm going to keep this until you get back. And then after 20 years, he gave him the keys and says it's yours because he knew it was theirs before he got it. So it's not you can't just always lump everybody in to the to to the same deal. Real quick, let me just say something about Jerusalem. Uh, I've done a little bit of and let me give this this link to you, a key maker. Uh, It talks about Jerusalem and its strife echoing across ancient history. Let me read one little paragraph. It says, this is from Stefan Lovgren, National Geographic News. It says, it may be called the city of peace, but no other city has been more bitterly fought over than Jerusalem. In the past 4,000 years, it has seen at least 118 conflicts. It has been raised at least twice. It has been besieged 23 times, and it has had at least five separate periods of violent terrorist attacks in the past century. The man goes on to explain about the history of Jerusalem. And I think it's a fascinating. uh, I would like to get the book, but I was reading this article. It's just fascinating about about Jerusalem because you have to ask yourself this question. Does Jerusalem have oil? Are, Are there diamonds? Is there gold? What is the reason that people have fought over this piece of land for so long? Usually they say it's for two reasons politics or religion. It's, it's, it doesn't have to do with, with real estate. <laughs> like, you know, if you've been in, 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 in Jerusalem, it's not like, you know, you know, the, the superhighways there and you need it to, to land planes or air. No, it's <laughs> it's politics or religion. And what I think is so powerful about that is now what I do is I switch gears. OK, it's complicated. I've been in and out. I've been around the land of Israel. I've been north, south, east and west in area A, in area B, in area C. I've been in settlements. I've been downtown. I've been uptown. I've been talking to people who say they've got the right of return. I've been talking to people who say they've got the bloodlines. I've been talking to people who say their grandmothers, 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 Jewish. I've talked to people who said, hey, I was born here. Everybody's claiming some part of Jerusalem. But I cannot help. But go to a scripture that just has blessed me as I thought about how complicated it is in this land. Would you open your Bibles with me? If you would, if you go to the story of the man named Abraham and you can start in Genesis chapter 12 and you can read in 13 and you can read in 14. And then when you get to 15, I don't know if you got your Bible there, Keymaker, but if you go to 15, it's really, really interesting. Let me start a little bit early in 15. And I'm going to take my time, if it's okay, and I'm going to read this. Because what it says is this. 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of Yehovah came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abraham said, O Yehovah, Elohim, God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. You know, like like Damascus, you know, like Syria. Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, no one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of Jehovah came to him, saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And then he took him outside. And I love this picture. Keymaker, it says this 15 verse five. And he took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to count them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. Wow. Then he believed, it says, he believed in Yehovah and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he says, I am Yehovah who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. 
to give you this land to possess it. Can we stop there for 15 verse 7 for just a second? Abraham didn't claim he was born in the land of present day Israel. He didn't claim he was born in the land of what the, some people call Palestine. He didn't claim that he was born in the land of the Amorites, Jebusites, Canaanites. No, God said, I brought you from somewhere else. And he says to give you this land to possess it. And he says, how shall I know in verse eight that I shall possess it? He said, bring me a three-year-old heifer. And they go through the whole process of, of preparing this covenant. But then there's this one verse, and I, I guess I should end with this because I've been going for so long. It's complicated in Israel. It's complicated with Arab folks and Palestinian folks and Jewish folks and Jews from Europe and Jews from Iraq and Jews from Morocco and people from all over. But the question you must answer is this. Who owns the land? For it seems to me, if you can first determine who owns the land, you can talk about who has rights to it. Now, here's what I understand. The earth is Yehovah's in the fullness of. He owns it all. He gives and he takes. He does what he wants to do. 15 verse 16 makes it not so complicated. Genesis 15 verse 16 says, then in the fourth generation, he says, after your people will be gone. It says in 15 verse 16, then in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. I've had to take some time on this verse and think about it. The father says to Abraham, listen, uh, be about 400 years or so. You guys, uh, you'll be in another land and then you'll be coming back here. And the reason for that is that I've got some there's there's a clock that's ticking. And the clock that's ticking has to do with some folks called some Amorites. And, and when the iniquity of the Amorite is, is complete, then it will be time for you to come in and take possession. Well, we look through the Bible and we come to find out that the people came out of Egypt after spending the time there, but it was prophetically spoken and they were given the land. Now, here comes the issue. Who are the people that were given that land? The descendants of Abraham. The, 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 <laughs> Abraham's descendants who would who he couldn't even number. Now, when it gets right down to it, I think the issue comes to this. Who are the people who are in covenant with the God of Abraham? I don't know. Does that seem complicated? Maybe that seems come. Does that seem too simple? It seems to me that the owner of the land can give it to whoever he wants to give it to. And he decided that he was going to give it to Abraham and his descendants. Now, fight it out from there. The bottom line is God's land, his decision, and he gives it to whoever he wants to give it to. The thing I love about being here is that this is the belly button of the universe. This place is so filled with meaning and so many symbolic revelation that, that is in this land. And, and I've been enjoying it, Keymaker, because what I've been able to do is to go and to bring that little camera to show people things that they wouldn't normally get a chance to see, to interact with people that they wouldn't maybe normally get a chance to interact with, and to see some God in some people that just lights up my spirit. I tell you, I love the words of Yeshua. They said, what's the most important thing in the Torah? He says, listen, Love Yehovah your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And he says, and the second command is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And you say, where did he get that from? He got it from the Torah of Moses and Leviticus. Love God, 
love your neighbor. And right now I'm in the midst of people that I know that that's tough. And I, I, I don't have a simple answer. I will let everyone know it's not simple. It's complicated. But I believe that God has a plan and that plan is going to continue to work according to his clock, his calendar. It's ticking. And in the end, we win. <laughs> God's going to set up his kingdom and there ain't going to be no more battles. Ain't going to be no more walls. Ain't going to be no East Bank, West Bank, North Bank. So, hey, it's going to be his land, his people, his Messiah will reign. And hopefully we will be there with him. And until the meantime, let us continue to do the work that we need to do to learn how we can love God and love our neighbor. Now, you do me a favor. If you continue to keep watching, if you continue to keep listening, if you continue to keep reading, we will keep working. <laughs>